We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Hello and welcome to another edition of the Knicks Film School pregame show. My name is Andrew Claudio, a.k.a. GMAC, and it's time to preview the Knicks' upcoming matchup on Thursday night against the Dallas Mavericks, a team that comes in at 22-16, and 16, around 6th or 7th in the Western Conference. There's, there's a bit of a glut around 4th through 7th in the West, although... You know, well, we, we can relate with the glut that exists between fourth and eighth in the East. Uh, they do come in a bit banged up. We should say at the top, in case you missed it, Luka Doncic will not be playing in this game on Thursday night. He is out with a sprained ankle. Their rookie, Derek Lively, who has been a revelation for them this year for the Mavericks. He is also questionable coming into this. He missed their most recent game against the Memphis Grizzlies, also dealing with an ankle issue. Look, their last two games, the Mavericks, they beat the Minnesota Timberwolves by seven at home. This is a fully healthy Minnesota Timberwolves team. Had Conley, had Gobert, had that starting five that it's been impossible to score on and win against. And the Mavericks still got the W at home. Then their next game, while they were missing lively, uh, they lost to the uh, John Morantless and Jaron Jackson Jr.-less Memphis Grizzlies at home uh, by 17. So they're coming off of a pretty, uh, uh, I don't want to say embarrassing, pretty frustrating loss uh, at home. They're they're on a, currently on a seven-game homestand to begin 2024 in Dallas. So we'll see. They're, they'll be missing two of their, their big guns coming into this. Now, I, I get it. Luka is like a bazooka or a cannon or... I, I just the biggest gun possible to <laughs> compared to Derek Lively, who's like, I don't know, a handgun or I don't know. I don't know why I went on this. I don't know why I'm referencing guns. Like maybe because we're playing a Texas team. That that's why. But like he's a smaller gun, uh, uh, Derek Lively. The point is, the Mavs are missing two of their better players, and we'll see how they do against this Knicks team that is coming in firing on all cylinders. I'll I'll say that much. Is that a gun reference? No, that's a car reference. Clicking on all cylinders. Anyway, the research that I did ahead of time and trying to find some trends in what's going on with the the Dallas Mavericks. My goodness, what's going on with Grant Williams. So my guest today, Dalton Trigg, who's a friend of the pod and the host of the Mavs Step Back. He brought him up and I had noticed that he leads the team in as far as minutes played and how impactful that is. Um, minutes played to on-off differentials. So there's only three players that have played more minutes for the Mavericks this season. Obviously, Luka has played over 1,200 minutes. Tim Hardaway Jr. has played over 1,000. 
Derek Jones Jr. has played just under 950 minutes. And then Grant Williams is the only other player that's played over 900 minutes for the Mavericks this year. It's 918 to be exact. Um, he is minus 16.1 when it comes to on-off differential or efficiency differential, according to Cleaning the Glass. And when you go through literally every combination that matters for the Mavericks. So let's just... Let me show you how negative, how much of a negative he's been for the Mavericks this season and how that leads to a lot of frustration in Dallas over this free agent signing that's been awful. Um, so in the 1,400 possessions that he's played with Luka Doncic, the Mavs are minus four. They're being outscored by four points per 100 possessions. You know how impossible it is to have Luka Doncic on your team and to be outscored when he's on the court? You have to have somebody that's been pretty impactful in the negative direction, and that's been Grant Williams. And to that point, in the 1,120 possessions that Luka has been on and Grant has been off, it's plus 11.6. So it's night and day. It's a full 15-point swing, nearly 16-point swing, whenever Luka is on and Grant Williams is off the court. Now let's go to Kyrie Irving in the little under 800 possessions that he and Grant Williams have shared the court. They're minus 2.4. Now, you might be saying, Claudio, listen, the like Kyrie, we saw what happened in Brooklyn. We saw what happened at the end of last season. It can't just all be Grant Williams, right? Well, in the 700 possessions with Kyrie on and Grant Williams off, plus 11.8. It's a 13, nearly 14-point swing when he's on the court without Grant Williams. Now, let's just do the both of them together. So, Luca and Kyrie on with Grant Williams, minus 2.4 and just under 600 possessions. Uh, excuse me, 2.9, just under 600 possessions. The two of them on, they're big two on, and Grant Williams off, plus 16.7. A near 20-point swing in the 360 possessions with, with them on the court. And then I mentioned Derek Lively, who by himself with, with Grant Williams, um, I should say, is plus five. So it's not completely falling off a cliff when, when Grant Williams is on with him. But when he's off, Grant Williams, Derek Lively in about almost 700 possessions is plus 11.7. Um, the Luka Doncic, Kyrie Irving, Derek Lively, plus Grant Williams lineups. It's about 314 possessions is plus 3.4. So that is a positive when those, they're, they're quote unquote big three play with Grant Williams. About 180 possessions with those three on and Grant Williams off. It's plus 16.8, so a 13-point difference. Overall, Grant Williams, when he's on the court in just under 2,000 possessions, is minus 5.6. And in just over 1,700 with Grant Williams off, the Mavericks are plus 10.4. You know, it's it's night and day. I think the biggest one is Derek Jones Jr., who I mentioned is third on the Mavericks in minutes. In the just over 1,000 possessions with Grant Williams on, they're minus 13 together. But then you go to the almost a thousand possessions with D Derek Jones Jr. on and Grant Williams off. It's plus 13.8. So that's a 26 point swing. I know I just threw a ton of numbers at you and I, I apologize if, if you got lost throughout there. Here's the summary, the TLDR. Uh, Grant Williams has been awful for, for the Mavericks this year. As far as the, the impact of his, his presence on the court, they just have not found a ton of lineups that work with him, and that shows in how they've they've used him. He got off to a decent start as far as efficiency is concerned, his shooting splits, and they've just cratered over the last like month or so. He just recently got taken out of the starting five. He Even in his bench role, uh, Dalton's going to tell you about it, he had a game where he didn't play the entire second half. 
it's weird because you look at the, the Knicks had some. I, I don't mean to dogpile on them, but the Knicks had a similar issue with RJ this year that when you were looking for combinations that worked, it was like, just remove RJ and see what the lineup data is. Like, like when you, the, the, the quickly heart combo that people like to point to of who's more responsible, quickly or heart. Well, just remove RJ from the equation and you see how different the lineup data is. Um, but like RJ, even at his worst, never got to how bad this Grant Williams things has gone. This is trending toward Fournier territory. We're very early on in the contract. You see that this guy is unplayable and we'll see if he just becomes like salary filler over time or if he turns the season around. We'll see if that starts on Thursday night where he's going to get some minutes against the Knicks team that, again, is... This start to the OG Ananobi era could not have been scripted more perfectly. And for those of us that still have a rooting interest in Emmanuel Quigley's future and maybe even RJ Barrett's future, uh, the way they're playing has made that, I forget who said it on Twitter, but that there's this spinoff show of the Knicks that is starring Emmanuel Quigley and RJ Barrett. That's just every Raptors game. We have our favorite show. It's like Cheers. And we get to watch our favorite characters. And then there's a spinoff show with like it's Frasier and it, it's it's watching quickly and RJ up in Toronto. Now, they're three and three since the trade and the Knicks are five and oh, I'll, I'll gladly take our side of it anytime. Um, but we'll, we'll see how if that trend continues going into this matchup against the banged up Mavericks team. That's going to play a lot of Grant Williams minutes on Thursday. Let's get into my conversation with Dalton. I think you're really going to enjoy it our preview of the game on Thursday night between the New York Knicks and the Dallas Mavericks. Enjoy. Dalton, how you doing, man? Andrew, I'm doing good. I appreciate you having me back on. It's always, seems like it's always fun when the Mavs and Knicks get together. And like you said, there's a lot of recent history there. There's really, I mean, you know, going back to 2019, there's just been tons of connections between the Mavs and Knicks. So it's like, there's, there's always going to be some kind of, uh, fancy good storyline going into these games and I can't wait to see what happens at American Airlines Center tomorrow because like you uh, briefly mentioned when we were talking you know <laughs> there was a there was a uh, 60 point triple double by Luca the last time he played the Knicks and I, you know I try to put it out fast. of my mind how the last 30 seconds of that game went when the Knicks were up nine and then I believe the math on it was that Teams with a nine-point lead with 30 seconds left. I've, I used to have the number memorized, but I believe it was like 14,882 and O. And then it was end one. <laughs> you know? I couldn't yeah. believe it. I mean, I look, I, they, uh, I, I vividly remember Luca with, it was maybe four seconds left. They had to take it full court. I remember him heaving up a three and him thinking he got fouled on the three, but they'd caught it before the three. And then I was like, okay, he's definitely missing the second free throw. I just didn't think that had a chance of happening, but it was it was crazy. And it adds to the to the drama of of it happening again tomorrow night. You know, the Knicks, uh, and I'm sure we'll get into it, but since the Ananobi trade, OG Ananobi trade, they look unbeatable. Uh, and they do. They're hot. Uh, the Mavs, they were hot until they had a complete dud against the Memphis Grizzlies. The what's left of the Memphis Grizzlies on Tuesday night. So we'll get into it. We'll get into it. I I want I, I have an order I want to to get things in and we'll we'll save some some Nick stuff for for the end. But you know, it's interesting like I said the the recent history of both of these teams. It's almost like you looked forward to playing the Mavs because it was KP coming back to MSG or it was Brunson potentially going back to 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 
um, American Airlines. It's Arena or Center? No, it's Center because the Heat used to be American Airlines Arena. Um, I just realized he's. This is Jalen Brunson's first game back at at this arena because he was out for that game last year in Dallas. Um, so there's there's obviously the the different things that have happened between the two franchises, and it's almost like the Raptors have replaced the Mavs because I go into this with just like, oh, it's a good basketball team that the Knicks are playing on Thursday night. And the Knicks Mavs of it all um, hasn't doesn't have as much punch as it used to. However, in digging into what's happened with the Mavericks this year, they have almost identical the, the same record as the Knicks. And while the net ratings may be different, the Knicks are obviously in it. Something's happening with this post Ananobi world that I'm, I'm, hesitant to put any kind of ceiling or floor on at the moment but just looking at the Mavericks if you could tell me based on the first you know 38 games how how has the season gone how are the vibes because while while they're not like the four seed like the Knicks that might just be a product of a competitive Western Conference so how are how are Mavs fans enjoying this season I mean it's gone well if you consider all the injuries they've had to to play through it's been they just haven't been able to stay healthy. You know, Lucas had to miss maybe two or three games. Uh, Derek Lively, he's had two unfortunate ankle sprains. Both of them came against the Portland Trailblazers. Kyrie Irving had Dwight Powell fall on his leg in Portland against the Blazers, and it caused him to miss 12 games with a heel contusion. So uh, the Mavs don't play the tr- Portland Trailblazers anymore, so maybe we don't have to worry about any more of these <laughs> <laughs> these injuries the rest of the season. But, you know, if it wasn't for some of these really untimely injuries, I think their record would be a little bit better than what it is right now. Uh, they've kind of they kept their heads above water. A lot of that is because Luka's playing at a MVP level. Uh, even when Kyrie Irving wasn't there, he took it up a notch. Now, obviously, the minutes increase when that happens, and that seems to take its toll on Luka over a long period of time. But, Overall, it's been good when uh, you know when Luca, Kyrie, and Derek Lively all play. The Mavs are ten and four this season, so you know six games over five hundred, which is what they are right now. So that lets you know when one of them misses, they're a five hundred team. Uh, you know, aside from that, so I, all things considered, it's gone well. If they can just stay healthy in this second part of the season and going into the postseason, I think they'll have a shot against anybody they're lined up against. So you you hinted some of the lineup data stuff that I noticed, and there's some Dante Exum stuff and some Seth Curry stuff. But when it comes to as far as the most minutes are concerned, it really is that I was trying to figure out because Luca's on off isn't as stark as it used to be that like things fall off a cliff when he's not there. And the same thing with Kyrie, where Kyrie actually is a better on off, but a lot of that can just be lineup. Uh, the, the certain lineup variations. It's when you put both of them on with Derek Lively and then take Derek Lively off. That is the first time you see like it really fall off a cliff. And, you know, the, the biggest thing I noticed with the, with again, shout out to clean the glass where I do most of my research, but the, the, the lineup data that, that stood out. So a couple, maybe a couple games ago, I wanted to see how many teams had at least, a hundred possessions of five man units together. So how many five man units had played at least a hundred possessions together? A lot of that is because the Knicks have like 11 different lineups that they've used a lot this year. So they lead the league in five man units that have played a hundred possessions. The Mavericks are last in the NBA with one lineup that's played at least a hundred possessions. I guess you're, 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 
basically telling me it's because they've been so banged up by injuries. They haven't been able to throw multiple lineups together and kids just kind of been searching. Is that a fair conclusion to make? Yeah. Yeah. I think it's a fair conclusion to make. And look, I, I saw this, I'd have to look up the current stat. You, you could probably find it as fat, faster than I can, but you know, a few days ago, I saw a thing where the Mavs had been third this year behind the Hornets and another team as far as uh, man games, men missed games, you know, or what, however you, you word it there. So games missed due to injuries. The Mavs were third in the league in that category. They might be, you know, closer to the top now because, like I said, that was like three, four days ago. But uh, it really has taken a toll, not just – the guy's missing, but it does affect kids' ability to have any kind of consistency with his rotations. And, you know, it's like last night uh, when they lost to the Memphis Grizzlies, or Tuesday night when they lost to the Memphis Grizzlies, you know, it. there were a lot of fans that were upset and saying, like, well, you're so small, Derek Lively's out, Powell's your only center. He was in foul trouble. Why not play Rashawn Holmes some more? Rashawn Holmes, I mean, it, it wasn't going to – it didn't make a difference. He got thrown in there for a few minutes. It didn't work. There's just not anything there uh, past Derek Lively that will help the Mavs in their front court situation. So they're going to have to probably address that with a trade. And if not with a trade this season, it's definitely got to happen in the offseason after this year. But – uh, you know, backcourt, they're fine. You have Luca, you have Kyrie. Like you mentioned, Dante Exum, he's been a revelation this season, you know, making his first uh, year. It's his first year back in the NBA after taking two years off playing overseas. He's been great. Derek Jones Jr. has been great. He's uh, started pretty much every game, I believe, except for a couple. So, you know, the, the front court and some of their wing spots, they're fine. But, you know, the front court, the front court just has to – be remade somehow. So, you know, let's just jump right into the the transactional talk cuz look, I I know what what the the benefit can be of making a a big trade that shakes things up and while the Mavs did add like a, a Grant Williams and obviously the Lively has been part of the the solution in in Dallas this year, there may be another big move and I obviously know what the Toronto can be the place where you make your big move. Let's start here. Is it Siakam or bust or do you have other names on the list that you're looking at? No, it's, it's not Siakam or bust. I mean, I think, I think he's arguably the best name on the trade market this season. Uh, well, I say, well, yeah, now he is, I guess you could argue that Ananobi was because of how well that's going for the Knicks. Yeah. But, yeah. You know, now, I'd say Siakam's probably the best guy left on the trade market. And, you know, even if the Mavs don't get Siakam, they've already got their starting center. I mean, I, now Derek Lively, they could use some insurance behind him. They could try to bolster the backup center position, and that would help a lot. But they're good at starting center. Now, starting power forward is where, you know, they, they did the sign-in trade for Grant Williams over the offseason season. He started out blistering during the first 10 to 12 games of the year. He was shooting like 55% from three, I think, after those first 10 to 12 games. And then since then, he has just been – I mean, I hate – I sound like I'm being critical when I say he's been a bust, but that's really what it's been since that first you know, 10 to 12-game stretch. He just – it's gotten to the point where he started out as the starting – 
power forward for the Mavs. Before Kyrie Irving came back from his 12-game absence, he had already been taken out of the starting lineup by Jason Kidd. And then most recently, Tuesday against the Grizzlies in that embarrassing loss, he had the tone, the famous Tony Snell stat line in the first half, you know, the zero, 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 zero. Yeah, are you and kidding had, me? Yeah, he had one one foul, one turnover, and he only played seven minutes in the first half, and he was a negative 20, and then he got a did, – did not play coach's decision in the second half of the game. So that has gone completely downhill so far for the Mavs. They've got to fix that starting power forward position, but if it's not Pascal Siakam, and they're currently the betting favorites somehow uh, – <laughs> <laughs> to get Siakam, I kind of thought it'd either be the Kings or the the Pacers. But uh, if they don't get him, you know, I look at the Wizards and Kyle Kuzma. I look at uh, you know the Charlotte Hornets who had interest in Grant Williams over the off season, and PJ Washington hasn't been great for them this season either. You know, maybe maybe two situations that haven't worked out the way the teams thought they would. Maybe they just trade them for each mm. other and see how it goes. Um, you know, I, there's there's other situations out there. I do not think it's it's Siakam or Bus, but man, that would be that would be something if they were able to pull it off. Because if you can put together a starting lineup of Luca, Kyrie, Derek Jones Jr., Pascal Siakam, and Derek Lively, that gives you enough offensive firepower and defensive versatility, in my opinion, to you know make them an actual contender in the West. So of the the two teams that you mentioned that are going to be in the market for Siakam, the the Kings from from what Shams has been reporting, it's that they don't want to give up Keegan Murray, and if it's a if it's a Harrison Barnes trade, then Toronto would be that that may be a trade partner there, and you know Toronto's going to wait and see what the market looks like. Then you look at the Indiana of it all, and I wonder what they're actually thinking about the next couple weeks and and who knows how long Halliburton's going to be out but the Halliburton injury might have be there might be the reason why the betting market has now shifted to the Mavericks being the favorite because we don't know what's going to happen uh, I know there's an Atlanta version of it if if they want to be in the market for DeJounte Murray I don't know whether the, maybe it's a three-team deal but I don't know whether Raptors want to be um, looking to get at a point guard when they just got Emmanuel quickly in a trade we're driven by the search for better But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. To the Knicks fan listening that is wants the actual data of what uh, Grant Williams has been to Dalton's point in the last 21 games, 14 of which he started and then he got taken out of the starting rotation. Uh, Grant Williams on four attempts a game from three shooting 29 percent. 
from the field. He was shooting 29% from three, I should say, and then 37% from the field. This is, like you mentioned, the near club trillion he had uh, against Memphis on the other night. That 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 would put me in the Evan Fournier zone of like, oh my gosh, do we have to take this guy we gave a lot of money to out of the rotation completely in order to be successful? And I don't know what it is. I mean... There's been some talk about, you know, is he not in great playing shape? Is that what it is? Is it the fact that he has never taken on this big of a role before coming from Boston? Because he did. He He has an increase in his role from what he's expected to do now with the Mavs from what he was doing in Boston when he was around two, three, and D guys and Jason Tatum and Jalen Brown. So it's a completely different situation. Uh I don't know what exactly, you know, there was a time earlier this season where he missed a handful of games because of a uh, bone bruise he had in his knee. You know, is that something that's been bothering bothering him this season? Is it is it an injury-related thing? I don't know. But whatever it is, the Mavs can't keep going the way they have with him playing like that. It's just not going to work. So whether it's something that's within his control or not, they've got to make a move and you know, like you said, the way the market has kind of shifted with other guys being injured, it has benefited the Mavs' chances, I think. You know, uh, it's very circumstantial. You know, like last season, for example, I didn't necessarily think the Mavs had the best trade packages for Kyrie Irving when that trade went down. Uh, but certain situations, you know, made it to where they could afford him, and it, and it happened. So maybe that's what happens with Pascal Siakam. And another thing is Siakam – to a certain extent, he kind of controls his own destiny because, you know, uh, there was another report. I can't remember if it was Sham, uh, Shams or somebody else, but, you know, uh, supposedly Siakam wasn't willing to sign an extension with the Kings if that trade had gone through. Uh, he didn't think it's a good long-term fit for him. So it's like, okay, well, where does Siakam think the long-term good fit for him is? And he wants a full-term max you know, according to uh, reports I saw this morning. I guess the bigger question I have for, because what's weird is the Knicks made the trade for Ananobi and there was a thought that they now need to go get a backup point guard because they just traded quickly. And like the Knicks immediately played the, played the Bulls. And I was like, all right, is there a deal to be made here? Maybe for your backup center in Andre Drummond. And then they played the Wizards. I was like, all right, Tyus Jones. And then they played the Blazers. Like, all right, Malcolm Brogdon. And the way way Deuce McBride has played, I'm like, I don't know if they're in the market for a backup point guard anymore. So I don't have like a Knicks Mavericks trade to potentially be made. But the the headliner of both of the Kings and uh, Pacers trades was that it would be a young player going back to Toronto. What are you comfortable giving up? Like, what's the trade package from Dallas that you would be okay giving up? And is there an untouchable that might get mentioned that you're like, once I hear that, I'm out? I I mean, look, I, I like the Mavs young guys, some of their young guys, but I mean, to me, it's like, okay, Toronto – who do you want that's not Kyrie, Luca, or Derek Lively? You know, and if it if it's not some absurd trade where you have five players going for one, you know, as long as it's something reasonable, you know, I could I I, I could get on board with it if it's any combination of players that aren't those three I mentioned. So, I mean, we've seen, uh, I think it was Jake Fisher from Yahoo that said 
the two players the Mavs have been shopping the most recently have been Tim Hardaway Jr. and uh, Rashawn Holmes. And Rashawn Holmes, I mean, that's just basically a, a salary filler kind of thing there. Tim Hardaway Jr., he's actually been pretty solid this season. De- defensively, it's an adventure. But, you know, offensively, he's been a, a six-man-of-the-year candidate. And so I look at that. I don't think those two guys are near enough to, to get Siakam. But, you know, I'd be willing to throw a guy like Josh Green in there. Uh, or if the if the the Raptors would rather have more of a a younger project that hasn't had enough hasn't had a lot of playing time like Green has so far, maybe Omax Prosper, who drew comparisons to Pascal Siakam in his pre-draft process. Uh, he fits the physical build of what Siakam is. Uh, and funny thing, you know, I, I I get real deep into these trade scenarios and what could be going on behind the scenes and I try to piece stuff together but it was funny to me because you know Omax Prosper he's from Canada and Mm. he got assigned to the Texas Legends a few days ago and guess where the Texas Legends are playing their their, they've played their last two games they're up in Toronto uh, playing against the Toronto Raptors G League team up there so (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> maybe, maybe they're giving uh, Masai Ujiri a close-up of what they could potentially have in Omax Prosper if he was included in a deal. But yeah, something about something about the Raptors getting a close-up of Canadians potentially. Like that's right. Apparently, what's been reported is like there was one team in the league that would value RJ Barrett the way that the Knicks could potentially not have to give up draft capital in an OG and an OB trade. And it was the Toronto Raptors being able to sell. (laughs) RJ's been great since he's got up there and, you know, you wish him the best, but, um, you know, that, that may be the, the way the Raptors are headed in. And I guess that's my, my question. Cause when we talked last year, Dalton, Josh Green was somewhat of an untouchable himself. And we're now at the place of, you know, if you can get Siakam for him, then you throw it in the deal. I wonder if it's green salary filler and then it's pick compensation that you're you're imagining would be the potential deal for Pascal Siakam. I think so. I mean, I don't think you can go crazy with the draft compensation given Siakam's contract situation. Now, look, if he commits to you, then that's a completely different story. But uh, but if it if he's not going to commit and the Mavs are taking a chance, kind of like how they did with Kyrie, because at the time, I mean, it wasn't a etched in stone thing that Kyrie was going to return. Uh, but it ended up it ended up working out for him. They took a risk and it worked, uh, especially when Kyrie, you know, got to Dallas and felt comfortable and liked the way he fit with Luka specifically. So, you know, it just depends. If, if Siakam's not going to commit, I think the most I would be comfortable with the Mavs giving up would be like Tim Hardaway Jr., Rashawn Holmes, uh, Josh Green, and then if there is any draft compensation past that, I wouldn't be comfortable giving up a first and Josh Green. Mm. If if Siakam isn't committed, now if he's committed, then you know maybe you give him a first round pick swap or something like that because the Mavs the Mavs draft compensation for the foreseeable future isn't great. Uh, just because, uh, mainly because of that pick that we uh, owe the Knicks, <laughs> that still hasn't conveyed. So you know, uh, listen, that's, that's what you, I'm looking at. It's the Mavericks' fault that it hasn't conveyed yet after after last season. Like it, as far as what how the how that season ended, you know. And I'm not complaining. I mean, it's worked out for him quite well with Derek Lively. So you yeah, know, it is yeah. what it is. But <laughs> that's uh, I don't know. We'll see. I 
that's what I would be comfortable giving up, even if they wanted. It, say that, say Josh Green isn't the player that Toronto would want as the as the young piece in that trade. If they wanted a guy like Jaden Hardy, who showed shown promise as a as a young uh, uh, young guard that can light it up from three, and he's working on his handle and everything like that. Or if they wanted, you know, the Pascal Siakam starter kit for Pascal Siakam and Omax Prosper, you know, something like that, I, I'd be fine with it. But, you know, I, the draft compensation stuff is where I'm kind of hesitant depending on what his commitment is. I guess we'll – I mean, there's going to be a risk, obviously. But as you mentioned, the Kyrie stuff – when they made the trade, I know the Lakers and there was the, the rumors of whether he was just going to try to force himself to the Lakers. Anyway, I always thought the Mavericks come to him with, with the right deal. Like if they just come to him with the right money, which they did eventually that he'll sign something long-term in Dallas. And you know, it's funny, the the speculation in all of the national offseason pods was like, well, he signed that deal. It matches up perfectly with some of the Lakers' salaries. If the Mavericks are hovering around the play-in again and the Lakers are a six seed, then that there's a deal right there. and the, the Mavericks can go full tank. And now the Lakers are hovering around the play-in and the Mavericks are hovering around the six seed. And it's now worked the opposite way. Uh, how, the, how the mighty have fallen since the in-season tournament. It's so funny that you mention that because I remember all that. You know, I, I remember how everybody in with the Lakers media, you know, they, and not just Lakers media, but just the national media, like uh, Brian Windhorst and guys like that, just push that Kyrie to LA narrative, even though there's nothing to back it up, you know, over the last year. And, you know, so I kind of take my shots back. I don't know, but my, my work at DallasBasketball.com, you know, I kind of survey the NBA trade landscape and, I'll write about different ideas and try and piece them together. Well, I did one on LeBron James. You know, maybe he wants to ask out and come play with Kyrie in Dallas because you remember uh, Shams over the offseason reported that Kyrie reached out to LeBron to see about, you know, what he felt about coming to Dallas potentially. So I've kind of turned it around on him a little bit. Let's let's get that going for once. <laughs> it's only fair that you you turn the the turn the tables. Now, like you, it sounds like Kyrie's found a home. Like I, I had the the peripheral view of what's Kyrie and what happened over in Brooklyn because of like, quite literally, I live across the the city from where all that all that happened. Um, and it, like from what you're telling me, it seems like he he's acquitted himself quite quite well to to Dallas and to the fan base. It's, is that a fair uh, ass- assumption and I guess more of an assessment of what's going on there? Oh, yeah. Yeah. He's, he's, I mean, he's very comfortable in Dallas. He, uh, from top to bottom in the organization, there's great communication, which wasn't. And now look, there was, he, he'll admit that there are some things that he could have done better too in Brooklyn, but there wasn't good communication with ownership. There wasn't good communication with management in general, uh, with coaches, all that stuff. It's completely different in Dallas. From top to bottom, Mark Cuban, uh, GM Nico Harrison, Jason Kidd, you know, the relationship he has with Luca now uh, and some of the other guys on the team. I mean, it's just – it's night and day different from what he had in Brooklyn as far as an overall organizational relationship. And even with the media, you know, the media isn't just trying to stir stuff up. Uh, for lack of a better word, <laughs> uh, you know, going at it. And now, and now also, to Kyrie's credit, he hasn't really given the media a reason 
to try and go stir anything up since he's been in Dallas. So uh, overall, it's just it's been great so far. And I mean, I know there's still people out there that think, oh, well, it's just a matter of time before something else happens. I don't think so. I think he's I think he's comfortable. He said that he's at peace with you know where he's at in his career and his family. You know, he has family that lives in Dallas. So, I mean, it, overall, it's been really good so far, and he's he's performing at a high level too when he's able to stay healthy. So it's it's a good thing all around right now. Couple questions before I let you get out of here. As far as this matchup is concerned against the Knicks, obviously the Jalen Brunson of it all that that's an, a fascinating thing for Mavericks fans. Julius Randle has performed quite well in a Knicks uniform when going to Dallas, um, where he grew up. Um, big Cowboys fan that that Julius Randle he he brings it up often, which has made all the Giants fans. It's actually Brunson being an Eagles fan and. Then uh, Julius being a Dallas fan has made all the Giants fans very frustrated with the two best players on the Knicks. Um, what are your thoughts on the Knicks? I like to give over the pot at a certain point to my guests to see if they have thoughts or questions, you know, whether it be about the Ananobi deal or about the Knicks in general. You know, how do you view the Knicks coming into this matchup against Dallas? Well, before I give my thoughts on the Knicks, I got to say that, you know, Mavs fans feel the same way about Grant Williams, not only just because of how bad he's been playing lately. But he showed up to a game early in the season wearing a Jason Kelsey Eagles jersey. Wow. Uh, And so he's kind of taken Brunson's place as being the Mavs Eagles fan, but he's not playing at the Brunson level. So (laughs) so it's more of a problem. Doesn't have the same grace that Knicks fans do. It's like, I love that you're our favorite player. I hope you lose in the Super Bowl. Yeah. But I mean, I mean, I'm, I'm, very impressed with how the Knicks have, you know, carried themselves since getting Brunson. I mean, they've they seem to have made all the right moves. The the OG Ananobi trade, they were patient. You know, they didn't rush anything with Donovan Mitchell uh, over the last offseason. They waited for the right deal. I think they made it. Uh, and, you know, like you said, they're, they're, they've won five in a row. They're first in most categories in the NBA since the start of the new year. Uh they're they're just firing on all cylinders now. I do, and Brunson, Brunson specifically, I was of the opinion when he was in free agency, I was just like, you know, pay him whatever he wants, like even if it was a full match, and that might not have mattered. I mean, he could have still chosen to go wherever he wanted to, but I think he might have considered it a little bit different. If it he had been considered, there wouldn't have been like a. He would have at least known Dallas is willing to come with the full, like you said, and yeah, maybe would have made the decision more difficult. Right, and and that's what I that was my take. I was like, you know, just pay him what he wants, and uh, you know, let it play out the way it did. Now, even with that being said, though, I didn't think he was going to turn into what he is right now. Like he is, he is like borderline star level with how he is, how he's been playing in New York, and it's been great to see. I mean, he's a great guy. Uh, all Mavs fans loved him when he was in Dallas and hated to see him go the way he did. So uh, he's been great. Like you said, Julius Randle always kills the Mavs. Before he got more consistent in his career, I used to call him a versus Mavs all-star, as in a guy who didn't really play well against other teams. But then when he played the Mavs, he'd go for like 35-plus. Uh, he's he's good enough now to where he's just a good player. He's not just a versus Mavs all-star. But um, – I'm very interested to see how this game goes because, like I said, the Knicks, they're just – they look unbeatable since the OG Ananobi trade. 
But, you know, the Mavs, they kind of got humbled in that last game against a severely shorthanded Grizzlies team. So it could be like a perfect storm of, you know, the Knicks running into the Mavs at the wrong time because everybody's going to be so pissed off after that <laughs> after that Tuesday night game because they were not happy without that. And I think, you know, I, there's a good chance that Derek Lively returns uh, for that matchup. Uh, that was so, going to be one of my questions that uh, looking at the injury report, Derek Lively, who we've talked glowingly about throughout this podcast, was not there on Tuesday because of a heel injury. No, not a heel injury, an ankle injury. Yeah. So him and Exum may potentially be back for this game, which might not be the best for the Knicks. Yeah, I think the the Knicks coming off this, this I mean, look, the bounce back of for, for the Mavs will definitely be a different energy level than what the Knicks got from the Blazers on Tuesday night. Um, Port- Portland had been in New York for three days because they won an overtime game in Brooklyn on Sunday. And then they had two days off and well, not two days off, but like then two days later, they played at the Garden. And it was like, we, we, we got our win in the Big Apple and then we we enjoyed the Big Apple for two days and now we lose by 40 at, at home or, or in New York and we can now move on. Uh, it's almost the exact opposite. You're saying that the Mavericks have one of their most disappointing losses of the year. The the Grizzlies at home, the day that they found out that Ja wasn't playing and to have that performance or the Ja was out for the year, I should say. And then you have that performance. And this is their the opposite that now there's a bounce back uh, for the Mavericks and potentially with Derek Lively, who Knicks fans, we quote the, the dunks in three stats all the time, defensive EPM, uh, Derek Lively, 93rd percentile in defensive EPM. Now Isaiah Hartenstein, the Knicks new center leads the NBA in defensive EPM. So maybe the centers will kind of balance each other out, but uh, this will not be the, the Portland trailblazers as far as Knicks fans are concerned. Well, that, that, that was nice for the Mavs to start this, season-long seven-game homestand with two games against the Portland Trailblazers. They they started with a 26-point win, or no, a 36-point 30, win, and then followed it up with a 29-point win. <laughs> and Luka didn't play in the second one, right? Right, yeah, he, right, he was out right. for that second one. So, you know, it. Uh, and then that's what made the, the Grizzlies game so disappointing is, you know, the Mavs, they were coming off that uh, – the season, the season best win of the year against the uh, – uh, Minnesota Timberwolves, the the West leading Timberwolves, and then you know to come back and have such a letdown against a team in the Grizzlies that didn't have any. You know, Jaron Jackson Jr. wasn't playing in that game either. It was just uh, it was the Desmond Bain and uh, Marcus Smart and Xavier Tillman show in Dallas. It was crazy. Yeah, yeah. One one question before I, I get to the my, my the way I end every pod, but the. You mentioned Jalen Brunson and how you would have given him the max. And like, obviously they, they went and got Kyrie. So they have filled his role, but how many, what what do Mavericks fans now look at the Jalen Brunson departure and how, like how many, how many of them agree with you? Do Mavericks fans see what's going on with Brunson and wonder like what could have been still, if at all? I'd say the majority of the fan base agrees that the Mavs should have, given Jalen Brunson whatever was necessary to get him to stay. But, you know, I'd also say that same majority doesn't want to talk about it anymore because anytime (laughs) I mention anything about Jalen Brunson on Twitter, I get several replies uh, saying, I'll let it go. Stop talking about it. And I mean, look, I get it. Like you said, they did. They went out. They got Kyrie Irving. It's not that big of an issue from a positional standpoint. 
But, you know, the age difference and, you know, you wouldn't have had to give up uh, the assets you did to get Kyrie. You would have had that 2029 first round pick. There's a lot of stuff that goes along with it that could have, you know, carried over if they had. I mean, they were coming off a 2022 Western Conference finals run uh, that season. So if you keep the band together and you keep building on the chemistry that you created that season, who knows what would have happened. But, yeah, that's what I, yeah, I'd say the majority of Mavs fans agree with me and my thoughts on what should have happened with Brunson and free agency, but there's a lot of them that just don't want to hear about it anymore. <laughs> and that'll be the last time to any Mavericks fans watching that I, I bring it up. I was just, I was more just curious. I, I mean, I guess one follow-up, have any Knicks fans jumped in your mentions to be like, to, to rub it in about how, what Jalen Brunson is and no, what's happening no, in New York? Pleasantly surprised with Nick. It seems like the only fan bases that, I really kind of piss off during the season are uh, Clippers fans and Suns fans. That seems to be the the two fan bases that really get hostile. But Knicks, it's been kind of calm. So I'm kind of, you know, that kind of helps with having, with you know, I don't have any hard feelings against anybody, <laughs> anybody with the Knicks or anything or how that stuff is. It's water under the bridge at this point. So, but that definitely helps, you know, that the fan base has been kind of chill about it. How many Mavericks fans don't have hard feelings? Because I know, like, they legitimately recruited him during the playoffs. Now, I don't know how much that that game they showed up to mattered when, like, Leon Rose and Sam Rose, that might have already been in the works before the conference finals run even happened. But, like, do is there any Mavs fans that still hold ill will against the Knicks for what happened? I'm sure there are, but... You know, I, I think a lot of that went away as soon as the Kyrie trade happened because they moved you know, on. The Mavs, they, they really didn't have a sense of direction at the, uh, you know, with their backcourt. Who was going to be the backcourt partner with, with Luka? Uh, and they didn't have a sense of direction with that. And then once that trade happened during last season, it was like, okay, okay, we have a little bit of a sense of direction here and we can kind of get past all those hard feelings that we have. I'm sure people still are upset about it, but I mean, what can you do? It's like, it's like back in the day when essentially the same thing happened with the Mavs and Steve Nash, uh, going to the Suns. you know, it's, it is what it is. And it, I mean, it worked out. The Mavs ended up, you know, having a lot of success after that point, Nash didn't go on to win any, any championships. Mavs ended up getting one, 2011, not saying it's going to be the same thing now, but, you know, I, I think it's fine. Now, Now, with all that being said, when the Mavs and the Knicks meet in the NBA Finals this season, <laughs> uh, all of that's going to come back up, and it's going to be a complete... Uh, It'll be the national narrative. Now all the pods are... The the, the profile of Jalen in Dallas and what could have been him him and Lucas sitting down on opposite ends. Yeah, I can already, I can already boy, see it now. The Knicks. Exactly, exactly. <laughs> I will say, just from the Knicks perspective, a Knicks fan's perspective... Last season was trending toward like this worked out perfectly in that like you you got Jalen Brunson from the Mavericks. They got stuck with Kyrie. This is, again, the Knicks perspective. They got stuck with Kyrie. They were going to miss the playoffs and then we were going to get their pick. And then those last three games happened and the Mavs were like, nope, you're not getting our pick whatsoever. We're getting this pick this year. And as mad as we were, seeing it work out with Derek Lively is the like, I'm at the point of respect for the chess move, even if <laughs> I was watching those last two games against the Bulls and then against the Thunder being like, 
I, I, I'm rooting for I'm rooting for the Mavs here. I'm very much rooting for the Mavs no, here. Not only you know? did they get their guy in lively, they, they would have taken him at the with the tenth pick anyway. But you know they traded back to twelfth, got off of uh, Davis Breton's contract, and then they ended up taking on Rashawn Holmes and getting the twenty fourth pick and Omax Prosper. So they essentially got two first round picks out of it. Uh, guys who they're really high on going forward. I mean, I. Look, I, I know the national media, and I'm sure Knicks fans were very upset when all that very. went on. But <laughs> we had everything clinched. The only thing I had to watch that week was: do the Mavs lose, or do the you Mavs gotta do what you give us their do. pick? <laughs> I, again, I have gone to gotten to the point where I respect the chess move. It doesn't mean I wasn't annoyed when my queen got taken off the table. You know, if the Mavs don't keep their pick last year, things it's are a disaster. Grim going into this season. <laughs> Yeah, it's a disaster, which is why, again, I, I, I understand and respect it. Last question before I let you get out of here. I do this with every guest that comes on, the Mount Rushmore of Rivals, where um, every offseason, the NBA schedule gets released. There are dates we circle on the calendar, teams we look forward to. There are obviously rivalries that get built up over time. So, Dalton, who for you, from the perspective of the Mavs, and maybe the Knicks are on this list because of the connections that exist, who are the four teams that you look forward to playing the most on the Maverick schedule? I would put the Knicks on the list. I wouldn't put them at the top of the list, but I think given... But they're on it. They're Knicks, on the mountain. You have to you have to put them up there. Um, hmm. Let me think about it. The Clippers, they definitely have to be up there given the playoff history between them and the Mavs, Luka and Kawhi and... Paul George and you know there's a lot of different pieces on both sides now, but you know they still they still like to go at each other. Uh, so let's see, that's two. That's the Clippers. That's the Knicks. Definitely the Phoenix Suns because of all the hostility that we've seen between uh, Luca and Devin Booker. I was gonna say there's a Luca Booker thing. Yeah, yeah. The Knicks have played the Suns twice, and the Mavericks were came up both times on both of those pods in the in the Mount Rushmore. It, it's funny because a lot of the pieces. Pretty much all of the pieces, the main pieces from that Suns team that got beat by the Mavs in the uh, second round of the playoffs a few years ago, uh, they're gone. I mean, it's not it's not the same team whatsoever. But Lucas still has it in his mind every time he plays the Suns. He especially in Phoenix, he is gonna he's gonna do bad things to the Suns in Phoenix. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, that's that's the big three. I'm trying to think of who might be the the next. Uh, I guess. I don't know. Probably the, probably the Warriors. The Warriors. Okay. Probably the Warriors. Now I don't know. Mainly just because of how that uh that Western Conference Finals went a few years ago. But it seems like every time uh, Luca and Steph get together, it's just one of those games where Luca's going to bring his A game because he like he he respects you know the greatness he's going up against. You know, that's one of those that uh that I really like. You know what? I'm gonna make a last second. I'm gonna I'm gonna axe the the Warriors there. I'm going with I'm going with the Knicks, the Clippers, the Suns, and the Lakers. That's the my Lakers. Four. Okay. Okay. Because those are actually those are all I don't know if you've watched Mavs Lakers games over the last two seasons. Those games always come down to the wire. Like they're they're really competitive, really good games. Uh, and you know the Luca versus LeBron stuff is always fun. So, so the most interesting thing about the the four teams you named, and this has happened a few times when I've asked this question. But if you ask a Knicks fan, like Brooklyn, obviously gets brought up sometimes. Boston, Philadelphia, the the locality of it, and the fact that the 
like you're, you're playing your your division rivals often. And what's funny, those three teams were always the three that got brought up. This trade now adds a Toronto angle that all four teams are probably your your biggest rivals. Now I would have Indiana or uh, Miami because of the playoff battles over the years. Dallas obviously would get mentioned, but like you didn't even think to mention a division rival in in your Mount Rushmore. And maybe it's because of what's happened with the Spurs over time. But I know that in the twenty in the two thousands, like Maverick Spurs was absolutely a thing, right? Oh yeah, yeah. I mean, it's just. It's just an era thing, you know. The those teams are a step back, and, and look, maybe the Houston Rockets get there sooner uh, now that they have Dylan Brooks, and the Mavs have had their yeah. stats with Dylan Brooks over the years too. So, you know, maybe something happens there. Maybe Wimbenyama versus Luca heats up over the next few years. But I think it, you know, once those teams get better, and you know, the games are more competitive then, you know, I, I think that will – more competitive consistently. Uh, I think they'll eventually build back up to that point. But, you know, uh, right now it's just kind of – it's just another game. It doesn't have the same juice that some of those other matchups do. Well, we'll, uh, we'll see if this ends up being just another game or whether there's some juice that gets bunched in. Again, the, these two teams, whether it be like first time against Porzingis, the, the Jalen Brunson, the Julius Randle are – Maybe Luca with a, as you mentioned, a sixty-point triple double with some history being uh, occurring in the last thirty seconds. Um, these games have been entertaining, and I guess we'll see if this one on Thursday night is just as entertaining. Dalton, you've been great with your time. Thank you for joining me. Before you get out of here, tell the fine folks at home where they can find you and all of your stuff. You can find me talking math stuff twenty-four-seven on Twitter, or I guess X, formerly known as Twitter, at Dalton underscore Trig. Uh, you can find all of my work, written work, at DallasBasketball.com. Uh, you can find uh, all of our podcast stuff. We're, we're on all the different podcast places where you get them. Uh, YouTube, if you want to watch, uh, we're on YouTube. It's uh, Mav Step Back Podcast. So uh, be sure to go give us a, a like and a subscription over there. We'd greatly appreciate and it. And I got to say, um, and I'll do this, this officially, but um, as a Mets fan <laughs> that had to sit here for the go. entirety of our show and our conversation, and I had to watch you wear a Texas Rangers World Series hat. Congratulations. I, I was bittersweet <laughs> watching DeGrom and Scherzer. I mean, they didn't actually perform in the well, I guess Scherzer did perform in the playoffs, but to win a World Series with another team, um, I I look forward to one day maybe my team being the team that has DeGrom and Scherzer and winning a World Series, which was the plan two years ago. Yeah. Um, <laughs> but uh, I I'm sure you're in you're in you're in a, you're in the honeymoon phase because your team just won the World Series. So congratulations. Oh yeah, yeah. I, look, I'm not the biggest baseball guy in the world, but. That was one of those playoff runs where you just you could not look away. Like that was incredible, undefeated on the road. Uh, it was a uh, it was a special year. I don't know I don't know how next season is going to go, but you know ev- everybody's enjoying it while they can. <laughs> the, the beauty of it is that banner flies forever, and the path path to it where you beat a bunch of hundred win teams, you beat the um, the defending world champs, and obviously the interstate rival in Houston, in one of the more fun series. Um, yeah, congratulations. And uh, again, you have some Mets fans that were having some complicated feelings. At least I'm concerned. I'm concerned watching that that World Series. That's for sure. Dalton, thank you as always for joining me. Andrew, I appreciate it, man. Anytime. 
Once again, a big thank you to Dalton for coming on today's show and helping me preview this matchup against the Dallas Mavericks. Always appreciate it. Um, I, even getting to talk to a Texas Rangers fan. Again, I'm sorry to bring up baseball. Everybody that hates when I bring up baseball. But man, if you told me like 20 months ago that in at the end of the 2023 season, Max Scherzer and Jacob deGrom would be world champions, would, would have won the World Series. I would have thought that it meant he won. they won it with the Mets, and I would have been so much happier than I ended up being now when they won it with the Texas Rangers, although obviously deGrom didn't play a, a, a pitch in the postseason, and Max Scherzer got hurt during the postseason and was really not a contributor to any of their success in the playoffs. But um, we, we move on here in New York because we have no choice but to. Uh, but uh, shout out to Dalton. I hope you're enjoying the afterglow of that. And I hope that's going to keep you happy when the Knicks come into Dallas and take care of business, hopefully on Thursday night. Uh, you know what to do. The KFS bump. Head on over to all of the, the YouTubes and the, the Spotify's and the iTunes uh, and and give them a five star rating and, and boost all their numbers. Head on over to the YouTube channel. I think this is the biggest thing we can recommend. And um uh, let them know you love them on the potter. Just say, we love Jalen Brunson. Thank you for letting us have him. As far as I'm concerned, that'll do it for me. If you dig the show, head over to iTunes, drop a five-star rating review for us. We'd greatly appreciate it. I will be back on Saturday morning with a preview of the Knicks game against the Grizzlies. Really curious to talk about that team and where that franchise currently stands. But until next time, thank you for listening. Enjoy the game tonight, and I'll speak with you soon. Peace. Chapman, welcome to the Planet Premier League podcast. Each week, Cesc Fabregas, Nader Manua and myself talk all things Premier League. As a player, you don't have time to talk. No. You don't have time to make a plan. You just need to deal with wave after wave after wave. We watched Coach Carter and he said, oh, afterwards, the game's just about doing this for your teammates. And I remember looking around halfway through the film and half the squad was asleep. <laughs> Planet Premier League. Listen wherever you get your podcasts.